my name is Elena. And my name is Sarah. And we'll be talking about something a little gross today, but ultimately really important, irritable bowel syndrome. It's not the most exciting topic, but it's really essential that we talk about IBS research because so many people are affected by it. Each year in the United States, there are 200,000 cases of irritable bowel syndrome. It is estimated that 10 to 15% of the adult population suffers from IBS symptoms, making nearly 35 million people subject to abdominal pain with no apparent cause. The causes of IBS are still unknown, and research hasn't determined why or how a particular person may develop this disease. If you are not already familiar with irritable bowel syndrome, it's a gastrointestinal disease, which means that it's in your gut, and it's commonly associated with chronic symptoms such as abdominal pain, constipation, diarrhea, and bloating. Flare-ups of IBS cause people to need to miss work, school, and other important responsibilities. They also might have to miss fun activities because of the pain. Usually, people may need to cut out certain things from their diet in order to control their IBS, like coffee and alcohol. I, for one, would be a little annoyed by that. That's true, Sarah. I definitely like to have a cup of coffee in the morning. People with IBS are usually just treated for their symptoms because there isn't a magic pill or something that fixes the disorder yet. However, there is a lot of research going on that is trying to find ways of treating the disorder itself, not just the symptoms. To understand what research is going on or how it may help those with IBS, we first need to explain some things about a chemical in our brains called serotonin. In the media, serotonin is often introduced as a brain chemical or neurotransmitter that is important in depression and anxiety disorders. While that is true, it is also very important for good digestive health. It helps to keep your gut moving, allows your digestive fluids to do their job, and is involved in the good and bad sensations we feel in our stomachs. Serotonin levels in the gut are important, and they need to be able to be controlled so that the digestive system can correctly respond to the food that you eat. High levels of serotonin in the gut have been associated with IBS, so scientists were interested in learning how the body controls serotonin levels in our digestive system. A protein known as CERT is responsible for absorbing serotonin and removing it from the digestive system, so that it does not continuously activate your digestive processes. Otherwise, your belly would always be rumbling. This phenomenon caused, caused researchers to wonder if there was a problem in regulating CERT, and they searched to determine what was responsible for controlling the amount of that protein present. To fully understand their findings, we will quickly need to go over how proteins are made in our cells. The genes in DNA are your body's instruction manual for how to make the proteins you need in order to survive. The first step in making a protein is known as transcription, where a copy of your already existing DNA is made. This copy is called messenger RNA, and it is used to deliver information to other parts of the cell. In some cases, the messenger RNA copy never reaches the place it is supposed to, which means that the protein it contains instructions for isn't ever made. This is not always a mistake, though. It's just a different way your body uses to control its protein levels. 
One way the body accomplishes this is something through called microRNA. This molecule attaches to specific messenger RNAs, which block the messenger RNA from being used as instructions to make the protein. It is very important for a certain microRNA to only stick to a certain messenger RNA, kind of like a puzzle piece that only has one match. Otherwise, different proteins that the body needs more of may not be made, and proteins that the body needs less of will stick around. Right now, the microRNAs that keep CERT from being made are under research, as they may be the key to finding better ways to treat people with IBS. Rats have been used to study which microRNAs the body uses to reduce CERT protein levels. Researchers have looked at many different types of microRNA, in both rats with IBS-like symptoms and without, to see if there was a difference in how much of each type of microRNA was available. The researchers found that one microRNA, known as microRNA-200A, was found in lower levels in the rats with IBS-like symptoms. The next step was to see if this microRNA matched with the messenger RNA that had the instructions to make CERT. If it did match, it meant that it would be able to affect CERT levels. As it turns out, they did find that microRNA-200A can fit with the messenger RNA responsible for CERT. They also observed that the greater the amount of this microRNA in the rat, the lesser protein there was. Another group of scientists used human patients with diarrhea-predominant IBS to find microRNA types associated with the disease. They found that microRNA-24 was much higher in the patients who suffered from IBS than those who had normal digestion. Like the previous study, these researchers found that the higher the quantity of microRNA they were looking at, the lower the amount of CERT present. However, researchers still wanted to confirm that microRNA-24 was the real reason why CERT levels decreased, and that it wasn't just some unrelated coincidence. To show this, they gave the mice a chemical that kept microRNA-24 from attaching to the CERT messenger RNA. This allowed the amount of CERT in the gut to increase, suggesting that too much microRNA-24 may be one of the reasons behind diarrhea-predominant IBS. While this experiment started out with human subjects, they needed to switch to mice later on because this type of experiment just wouldn't be possible to do in humans. While it might seem that we are just listing off random names and numbers, identifying the underlying molecular basis for IBS is quite important to be able to develop an effective and safe treatment. Knowing which types of microRNAs affect the progression and symptoms of IBS can lead to more targeted treatment options. The last study that we want to talk about takes a closer look at how a specific microRNA affects the intestinal pain that comes with IBS. This study used a mouse model of IBS that focused on the level of pain that the mice were experiencing and measured how sensitive to pain inside of the gut the mice were. They found that their IBS-like mice were more sensitive than the healthy mice, which really mimics what is seen in humans. In this set of IBS-like mice, they found higher levels of microRNA-29A. They also found that reducing the quantity of microRNA-29A reduced intestinal pain. 
indicating that this microRNA has the potential to be a target of newer remedies, along with the other microRNAs we talked about before. Understanding the role that many microRNAs play in our intestinal health is important for developing treatments, since many intestinal disorders do not have treatments that focus on the cause of the disease. Instead, the individual symptoms a patient has are treated with medications and other remedies, as opposed to really dealing with the disease itself. This can be very challenging for those affected by IBS. Unsurprisingly, IBS is associated with higher levels of depression, anxiety, and other mood disorders. The brain and gut are closely linked, and oftentimes problems in our gut leads to problems in our heads. Future IBS therapies may use microRNA-based techniques as treatments for IBS and other intestinal disorders. Since it has been shown that microRNA levels are different in the intestinal tissues of those with IBS compared to those with normal digestion, the next logical step from there is fixing the microRNA levels. Hopefully, that will be able to treat or get rid of the IBS symptoms. While there is a lot of research that needs to be done before this type of therapy can be common, there is hope for the future. Every study that is done leads researchers closer to finding a potential cure for this disease that affects millions of people. I'm Elena. And I'm Sarah. And thank you for listening.